0: Um, as Daniel said, we're going to be going through the next few weeks as we approach Christmas, a few Old Testament uh, prophecies that look forward to the coming of Jesus. So um, before we do that this morning, um, typically toward the end of this service is when we have times where we share as a church family, if we feel like the Lord's speaking to something to us corporately, right? Words of knowledge, uh, prophetic words, just things that the Lord's saying to share, to encourage, to edify, to build up the body. Typically we do that at the end. Uh, But this morning, it just felt like um, God had a specific word for us that he wanted us to address prior to moving on any further, because uh, I think the Lord wants to do something to open up hearts and release us from some things that enslave us, so that we are more apt to hear what he has for us uh, today. So uh, I'm going to invite my friend Jubilee up, and um, I don't know if you're going to come up, Katie, too. Come on up. Come on up. Um. Yeah, just yeah, come all the way up. I don't want to go down the stairs again and back up, and so too much work. You? Um. So they have something from the Lord. Remember when you hear this, we have the job to test it. T, does it lead us towards Jesus? E, does it edify? S, does it line up with scripture? And then um, T, does it transform us into the image of Jesus? So share what the Lord laid on your heart.
1: Yeah, okay. Hi guys, my name is Katie. Um, so I just feel like there's just um, I feel like the Lord may be saying there's just some anxiety in here and just distractions and our hearts are not at rest and I just like see us like we so badly want to give our hearts to the Lord but we're like our hands are like trembling and shaking and we just like can't lay our hands in in the hand or lay our hearts in the hands of Jesus and um, yeah just these distractions and I just don't want anxiety or unrest to come in between our hearts and the Lord's. Cool. Amen. Um, good morning, brothers and sisters. Uh, so while I was up there in the balcony, there you sorry. Go. Perfect. <laughs> thank you, um, I felt a heaviness um, in here, in this whole place, and I, I, like, couldn't close my eyes to worship, and I'm like, Lord, what is that? So what he showed me, the Lord was showing me was, um, like, uh, a figure, but their shadow was reaching behind them, like, their own shadow was reaching behind them and choking them, and... I was kind of startled because I'm like, Lord, what is this? So I feel like he was showing me that uh, people are still bound by fear. They're still bound by weariness um, and by brokenheartedness. And the fear with paying the bills this upcoming season, a lot about the holidays and and family issues and exams, I feel that too. But the Lord is saying that he wants us to be free. When I was up there, I saw the little children like running around, (laughs) and one of them always almost knocked me down. I was like, whoa, (laughs) Okay. But they were free. Do you understand that we are all children? under Not just God, the most high God. We are free children. Uh, The enemy has no right to bind us by fear, by doubt, by weariness, by brokenheartedness. He already has healed us from those things. There's no reason to sit here and have that heaviness and allow the enemy to show the brokenness and the things that the Lord has already saved us from to choke us to not give him praise he doesn't owe us anything we owe him everything including your praise the words that we were saying he said like he he defeated death and hell so that means he also defeated your death and your hell and everything that comes with it that's from satan so i just wanted to pray for us you like he's asked yeah. me pray to for us, um, i'm sorry yeah nope 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 absolutely not this is not about this is not about me but um,
0: now pray for us would you Um, yes uh great
1: bow your heads and close your eyes um (sighs) heavenly father uh the most high thank you for first of all waking us up today thank you for choosing us you did not have to wake us up and it is your uh breath that is in our lungs and That means we owe you every ounce of praise and every ounce of energy, Lord God. Um, Just align our hearts with yours, Father. Uh, We bind the enemy. He cannot be in this sanctuary. This is your house and not his. We command every spirit of weariness and brokenheartedness and fear and doubt and anxiety to be sent back to hell where it came from in the name of Jesus, Uh, We command that your power and your spirit that is inside of us, it's not around here, it's inside of us. You left that here for us, Lord God, to give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory in the Most High's name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Well, on that note, I'm going to pray again. God, we don't want to miss what you're doing. So would you just tell us what's next? God, would you show me clearly where to start? I feel like a good place to start this morning is um, in line with what Jubilee was saying. Um, sometimes we just don't feel like, because of our circumstances, praising the Lord. But that we would choose to praise Him. Sometimes praise is it's a sacrifice of praise, whether we feel like it or not. And some of you to praise the Lord is a sacrifice because it doesn't seem to line up with your emotions. But praise the Lord that our emotions are not the things that rule over us, but the Lord Jesus Christ is. So I'm going to invite you now just out loud, we've done this before, but just out loud to give God praise. Praise Him for His character, praise Him for who He is, praise Him for what He set you free from, praise you for, for uh, what He's delivered you of. Uh, I'm just going to invite you out loud, as whether you feel like it or not, God doesn't deserve our praise only when we feel like it. Um, let's just position our heart, our mind in a posture that is worthy of what the Lord deserves this morning. And out loud, all at the same time, just shout praise out to the Lord here for a moment. Go ahead, out loud. Oh, praise the one, the risen Lord, the only one to conquer death, the only one to rob the grave, the only one to rescue us from what our sins deserve, the only one to free us from the grip of the enemy, the only one to rule over the cosmos and the heavens, the only one worthy of our praise, the one whose light shines bright no matter how much darkness surrounds us, that the light still prevails. So, God, would you fix our attention upon you this morning? Open up our ears to the things that you have for us this morning. We, we thank you that Jesus has come to set us free, that we may be free indeed. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are not walking in freedom this morning, that they would find uh, the, the fullness of the freedom in Jesus Christ. I pray against any scheme and lie the enemy and command it to be gone in Jesus' name, that we'd hear clearly from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it is, it is interesting um, something the Lord's really been doing in my heart lately is he's just, just re- reminding me a lot of um, how, how much I do let my emotions drive things. And don't get me wrong, like, sometimes you are like, emotions are terrible, run away from emotionalism, it's terrible. Like, emotions are awesome. Emotions are a gift from the Lord. There's so many emotions expressed in the word. Um, but I think if we're not careful we can a- allow our emotions to dictate uh, what we think that the Lord is doing in our lives or in a place. And I, I want to look briefly this morning, now a little extra briefly, I guess, in um, Micah chapter 5. Because throughout the Old Testament, there's these prophecies that are written, that they're, they're longing for this, th- this Messiah, they're longing for this king, they're longing to be set free. Uh, throughout these passages in the Old Testament that is pointing to the, this coming king, this coming Messiah, this, uh, this Jesus that was to, to come. And so they're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And the thing that they're holding on to is their promises. And so some days you can imagine they're probably like us where it's like, yes, I'm going to stand firm on the promises of the Lord. Nothing will sway me. And then other days it's like, eh, I'm not so sure. I don't, I don't know. But God being gracious and merciful still in that saying, no, these promises are true. I am sending a king. And the king that I want to talk about this morning is this idea, he's not just a king, but he's also a shepherd. Uh, a shepherd king, which is pretty amazing, that imagery, right? Because we think about a king, it's someone who's out there, so powerful, ruling over all this stuff, but it sometimes can seem super distant. It's like thinking about the, the president. Like why the, the president likely isn't just going to come rolling in here this morning and hang out with us because he's, he's got more important things to do. And sometimes I think we think that about God. Well, he's not going to like come and visit us, not going to be with us. Because, well, he's busy ruling the world, so eh, what would he want to do with me? But he's not just the king of the universe, he's also a shepherd. And that's the promise that he fulfills that we see here in Micah chapter 5. A shepherd who is near, a shepherd who is tender, a shepherd who is close, and who walks with us. So let's look at um, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. He says, "But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, whose origins are from the distant past. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then, at last, his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God." Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world, and he will be their source of peace. You can stop there. I mean, what an incredible promise. You see, um, Micah is what's known as a prophet in the Old Testament, and there's a bunch of these dudes called uh, prophets in the Old Testament, and what they would do, they'd be messengers from God. And this is a typical pattern that would take place with God's people. That they'd be like, oh, God, you're great. Oh, God, you're incredible. God will do whatever you want. But after a period of time, they would be like, you know what? We're going to try out some other options. We're going to try this idol over here. We're going to not walk in your ways. We're not so sure that's the best way. And they begin walking in sin. But God, in his grace, would warn them. He would send a prophet. And he'd say, guys, I'm warning you, turn back. I'm warning you, don't keep walking on this path. This is a path that leads to destruction. It's gonna go badly for you. Don't keep doing this dumb stuff. Over and over, he'd warn them and say, okay, guys, I'm gonna tell you if you keep doing this, there are gonna be consequences. Don't keep doing this. And they'd be like, Yeah, it's fine, we're gonna keep doing it. So, don't keep doing it, there's gonna be a punishment. And one of the punishments that we see in the Old Testament that a lot of these prophets warn is what's known as exile. And exile was where they have a foreign army come into their land and kick them all out and they would be removed from their land, which is a huge deal, right? Could you imagine if some foreign army came in and said, you've all got to go and ship us off to some other country that's not home with people that we don't know in, in a different culture and in context, no how difficult that would be. God's warning them in the, through the prophet Micah, among other prophets, that this is going to happen. And he's not doing it just to be punitive. He's warning them to lead them to repentance so they would come back to himself. Now, they don't listen, uh, and they end up going into exile. But even in this, God's making a promise. to saying, but I'm going to return you home. I'm going to return you from exile where there's going to be peace. There's not going to be this war anymore. There's going to be this peace. So for the Jews, when they went into exile, as bad as it was being away from their homeland... As bad as it was being in a foreign place, among other things that were really bad, the worst reason, the the hardest part about being in exile is that they were no longer in the presence of God. Because in the Old Testament, God chose to dwell in the temple. It was an actual building that people would go to. So you wanted to meet with God, you wanted to worship God, you wanted to hear from God, you had to go to the physical building of the temple in order to do that, to make sacrifices, among other things. Well, when the exile would come, They would destroy that temple and they'd send them all away from from their land where the temple was and so they were longing and crying to go back and crying so that they could rebuild the temple so that they could once again be with the presence of god himself that was by far the worst part about exile is they were separated from the presence of god because of their sin now what we see going on throughout the whole bible is this story of exile and being returned from exile Very beginning, God creates Adam and Eve, right? Their sin causes them to be exiled out of the Garden of Eden, causes them to be exiled out of the presence of God. And what we see God doing out of his mercy, out of his compassion, out of his tenderness, and extravagant love towards us is that he then is, throughout the Old Testament, pointing towards the one who is ultimately going to rescue his people back from spiritual exile and bring them back into relationship with himself. And that's through Jesus Christ. So these people, during the time of Jesus, are longing and waiting for this king, this shepherd. It says he's going to come. He's going to shepherd his people, this intimacy of walking with them. And it's going to be awesome when he comes back from exile. And then this is where we see this being fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw a star as it rose, and we have come here to, to worship it. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. And he called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law and asked, Hey, where's this Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the ruling cities of Judea. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. So Jesus is fulfilling this Old Testament prophecy that this king, the true and rightful king, the one who's not just a thought all of a sudden but the the one who was thought of in the purpose before the beginning of time that king was going to be born in Bethlehem and here we see Jesus is in fact born in Bethlehem God then sends these wise men to come find this king and Um, they're talking now about this Old Testament prophecy that's being fulfilled, and he doesn't quote it. They don't quote it exactly. They're paraphrasing it, but they're saying, yes, it's true that this king, this Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem, but not only is he going to be a king, but it says that he is going to be a shepherd for my people Israel. What is being fulfilled here in the uh, story of Jesus' birth is the fact, this incredible thing, is that God was sending a king, but he was sending a shepherd to be with us and to walk with us and to guide us and to be in our midst. It's it's amazing to me how, how often I forget that the point of the gospel isn't just so I can have eternal life. The the point of the gospel isn't just so you can have a better life now. The point of the gospel isn't so that you can experience incredible blessings or see God do amazing things. which those Those are great. Those are phenomenal. But Jesus says in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that you would know the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The good news of the gospel is that we get to know God and to be with him for both now and into eternity. And the amazing things about the Christmas story is that God looked down upon humanity and saw how screwed up, how messed up, how sinful they were. And rightly, we were put into exile, separated away from God because of our sin. And that there was nothing that we could do on our own. So God said, I'm not going to make you do these things to come back out of exile. I'm going to send my son into exile to come and get you and bring you out. And he says, not only going to do that and leave you alone. He says, I'm sending my son, this shepherd who is going to be with you. And that's why elsewhere in the Gospels it says, they named him Jesus and they, called, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isn't it amazing though, how quickly we forget that that is not just true for these people, but that is true for us today. I th- think about that for a minute. You come in this morning and some of you have had an incredible week. Uh, And it's honestly been so good, but you haven't even thought about God once in the midst of it. Some of you have had a horrible week. And the temptation is to ask, God, where are you in that? The beauty of the gospel is that God has come to be with us, to dwell in our midst. That we get to experience that intimacy for both now and into uh, eternity. Think, think about this. The image of the shepherd is unbelievable to me. Now, I'm no shepherd, right? But a shepherd with his sheep doesn't just stand to the side and go, go there, go there, go there, do that. He walks with them. The shepherd leads, the shepherd speaks, the shepherd guides, the shepherd protects. The shepherd wants what's best for his sheep and leads them into the pasture where there's food. The is fending off and fighting off those robbers that are trying to steal, those wolves that want to destroy. The shepherd is in the midst of them, walking with them. And the beauty of the gospel that I think God wants to remind us of this Christmas season is that God's not just out there somewhere, but he is our shepherd walking with us in the midst of whatever the heck you got going on this week. In your happies and in your crappies, God is in the midst of it, right? (laughs) But isn't it crazy? We forget about that all the time. Psalm 23. Check this out. I'm going to read it, and this is the New Living Translation, and if you memorized this as a kid, probably did like in the King James, right? And so, um, at least I did. And this is a probably different translation than you may be used to but for me it's been cool to see it in a fresh a fresh way that all these things that are promised that the lord is our shepherd that we get to experience now because jesus has come to bring us back out of exile into relationship with god himself and this is what it says the lord is my does it say shepherd. shepherd i have all that i need stop What you've got going on today. Your shepherd knows what you have going on today. He knows what you need. And he's providing everything that you need today. Sometimes I think we forget that we go to God to try to get these specific things from him. God, I need this. God, I need this. God, I need this. God, I need this. I need peace. I need joy. I need provision. I need money. I need a relationship. I need... Deliver it. I need all these things. Which, praise the Lord, he's gracious and he gives those things. But he doesn't give those things separate from himself. The reason why we get those things is because he is in the midst of that with us, giving of himself to us. You want peace? We go to him for peace because he is peace. You want joy? We get joy from him, not because it's something he just gives out and walks away. We get joy because the presence of the living God of the universe dwells with us who is the source of joy. You want provision, we don't go, God, I need this. He doesn't give you something and walk away. The reason why he's able to give provision is because he's the one who's created and spoken to existence and by his very breath and word hold all things together. The cattle, of the thousand hills belong to him. The reason why he can bless us and provide for us is because he is present with us. We have all we need because he's our shepherd who is in the midst of it. He's walking with us in the good and the bad. He provides everything that we need. He leads He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams, and he renews my strength. What an incredible image of just, of rest. Sometimes, we're so busy trying to please the Lord, and do great things for the Lord, that we're actually doing it out of step and out of rhythm with him, and he's saying rest, and you're saying, no, but I gotta do all this great stuff for you. Sometimes that's my fear, honestly, of like, We're training you how to make disciples to make disciples, and and it's it's incredible. God's doing unbelievable, amazing things, but if you're doing it just out of your own strength and power just to go please him rather than saying God is with me in this, it flows out of relationship with him, then it becomes another obligatory thing that you have to do. Now, instead of attending church and being nice to people, now I got to go make disciples, I got to read my Bible, I got to teach other people these things, it becomes an obligatory thing. When you are in step with the Lord and it flows out of relationship, God does give us responsibility but the responsibility what he calls us to flows us out of flows out of the relationship with him that God sometimes says simply sit and rest and some of you are weary and you're trying so hard to please the Lord and he's simply saying rest and enjoy being present with me I mean honestly for me that's where I get I get burned out when I'm like, I got to go do this, I got to go do this. And the Lord's simply saying, it's not just about you doing things, Britain. Remember, Jesus has come so that you may know me both now and into eternity. Come and be with me, enjoy me, and grow in relationship with me. But as a male and as American and type A, I feel guilty when I do it. But the purpose isn't just to produce a lot of things, but to walk and step with the Lord because he's my shepherd. He knows what I need, and he says, come, just sit and chill and be with me and enjoy me. He says this, oh yeah, he renews my strength. Some of, you are, um, some of you are weary because you're trying to walk in your own strength. And the Lord is present with you saying, I'm not just asking you to do these things. I give you the grace to actually do these things. When God says, don't fear, it's not like, oh, i got to try hard not to fear. When it says, go be, love my neighbor, it's not, oh, i got to work hard to love my neighbor. He gives us the grace to do what he wants us to do. He is truth and grace. He tells us the truth and gives us the grace to be able to walk those things out. God is leading us where to go, but because he's with us, he sustains us and gives us what we need to accomplish what he's called us to. He says this, even, oh, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. One of the big things the Lord has been teaching me these past couple weeks is how little I want to walk with the Lord and recognize his presence in the mundane. I love when God heals the sick. I love it when people get saved. I love people when making their disciples. I love it when people get delivered. I love it when people get raised from the dead. I mean, I love all that stuff. But the Lord also says... Yes, I'm not only present in that, I'm also present at 7:30 at night when me and Michelle can barely function, because he made it through another day with three boys that are rather active, if you know what I mean. <laughs> right? That the Lord is present with me, doing the mundane of the dishes. What does it mean that the Lord is present with me there? I think sometimes we have this attitude that, like, I want to change the world. I want you to change the world. It's awesome. There's so much work to be done. Change the world. However, sometimes I think we we equate that to say, I want to change the world and make a huge impact for the Lord. That we think that that only takes place in these huge things. I've got to go overseas. And if the Lord tells you to go overseas, go overseas. But sometimes we disqualify and discredit the fact that the Lord wants you to be faithful in what you've got going on day by day by day. That you can please and honor the Lord in the mundane of your day to day. Not just in the big stuff that you see him do amazing things. Some of you colleges, man, you are putting all kinds of pressure on yourself like i got to do this and change the world. What's he asking you today because he's with you today, guiding you today, sustaining you today, teaching you to walk in a path that is straight today? And it says here that when you walk in a path that is straight, a path that is right, a path that is in line with what he wants, uh, it brings honor to his name. You doing the next right thing is something that brings honor and glory to God as well as seeing 10,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ moms, I, I, I'm not a mom, so I'm not saying this from personal experience, but I, I know it is a challenge for you to say, how is simply being with my kids all day, or when I work all day and come home being with my kids, how is that changing the world? Sometimes I know it's hard to be like, oh, I don't feel like I'm doing enough, I'm not producing enough, My kid's just demanding, just a demanding season of life. And there's an opportunity to feel guilt and shame. And I think what gives us hope in that, gives moms hope, gives you hope in this, moms, is that when you are training up your children to walk in the ways that are right, that brings honor and glory to God. When you yourself model for your children what it looks like throughout your day to recognize God is present with you, to stop and give him praise, to stop and ask for help, to stop and and just recognize his presence... When you model what it looks like to walk with the Lord in the mundane, you are demonstrating for your children what that looks like, and it brings praise and honor and glory to the Lord. So moms, do not disqualify your role in that. And some of you dads that stay at home with your kids do. Same thing for you. Do not disqualify your role in what is seemingly simple and mundane. And don't get me wrong, some days it's mundane. Some days it's like, do I do anything else rather than change diapers, fix food, clean up mess, and another mess, and another, right? But even the Lord is with you and present in that. And so when you're at the end of your breaking point, instead of going like, ah, I can't do this anymore. Oh, wait, God, you are here. Oh, God, you are peace. Would you give me peace? And two minutes later, when you want to snap again, say, oh, God, I need peace again. God, would you help me find joy in this? But it's crazy because we so often let our situations and circumstances dictate our joy, dictate our peace Where it says back in Micah, the promise is that we will be with him and he is the source of our peace. So even in the mundane, there can be such peace and such joy because you are not alone in it, but God is with you in the midst of it. Some of you are in jobs that you absolutely hate. And sometimes, if we think about the Lord in the midst of that, we say, okay, God, give me the grace just to simply endure and get through the day. But what would it look like if we recognize, no, God has called me to this job for this season. He walks with me in it. So, yes, he's going to give me peace, and yes, he's going to give me joy. But how do I influence those around me? What is the Lord wanting me to do with my coworkers? And therefore, we have an attitude shift that's not simply to just cross our fingers and hope to make, th- make it through, but simply say, God has placed me here, he's equipped me, and he's speaking to me to uh, bring the kingdom into my workplace. God has sent you in your workplace. I'm not sent in your workplace, you are. That God is with you in that. He sees what you need. He's not abandoned you, he's not forgotten you. He's walking with you in the day-to-day, in the mundane days sometimes, of your job. He goes on, Psalm 23, verse 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me and they comfort me. Isn't it amazing how often when things get hard, we want to jump ship? When things get difficult, we're like, I must be doing something wrong. I got to get out of here and go find something that's easier. For some of you, the Lord's not telling you to jump ship. He's simply saying, endure, be steadfast. I will provide what you need. Some of you are in marriages that you are on the brink of jumping ship. And the temptation is to say, well, it's hard. I deserve this. I deserve this. God doesn't want this. He's saying, even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, some of your marriages right now are in the valley of the shadow of death. But it says, but I will fear no evil. Because in the depths of your marriage, the worst part of your marriage, God is with you. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's all roses. Because some of it's going to be walking, doing the hard work of what God wants to address in your heart. He's going to lead you to repentance. But even you're like, I can't get through another day that you say, God, but you are with me in the depths of my darkness in my marriage. God, would you give me grace for my spouse today? Would you give me patience for my spouse today? Would you give me a revelation of how you love me and how you've forgiven me so I can extend that to my spouse today? Some of you, this holiday season is the first holiday season without a loved one. I've been there. It sucks. But you know what's awesome? This king of the universe is our shepherd, and he's not saying, hey, it's going to be fine. He's right next to you going, it's going to be all right. I'll give you peace. Even in the darkness where you're like, oh, it's just dark. Though you cannot see the end, he sees it. He walks with us in the darkness. He's not absent from you in your grief and your sorrow. He walks with us in those things. And praise the Lord, how gracious is he that our situations and our circumstances do not dictate our joy and our peace in our life. Because I don't care what you got going on. Psalm 1611 says that in your presence... Right? There is peace. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That's not conditional based on your circumstances. That's conditional based on you being in the presence of God. And if you follow Jesus Christ, you've been removed from the, uh, the separation from him. You can have an, a relationship with him. He says this. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. And you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. There will be a day when Jesus returns where there will be no more suffering, no more mourning, no more sorrow. And man, we long for that day where we will get to see him face to face. But in the meantime, we are not alone and we are not abandoned. And in the meantime, when we suffer and we go through good things and bad things and we pursue and persist day by day the good news of the gospel of jesus christ is that while we were in exile separated from him god sent his son jesus to rescue us from exile so that we could know him both now and into eternity and while we wait for his return we are not alone that our shepherd and king is with us and he is near he is providing he's walking with us and he's giving us what we need that is good news let's pray Oh God, how, how unbelievable it is that you, the creator of all things, the one who spoke all things into being, that you, God, would choose to be with us, that you've come to hunt us down. God, I just even think about my brothers and sisters here, those who have walked away from you, those that are far from you, God, that you would go after them, that you would pursue them and give them revelation of your persistent and pursuing love towards them this morning. God, for those that are in the valley of the shadow of death, I pray that they would not fear. The reason why they don't need to fear is because you're with them. Give us revelation of your presence with us. For those that are in darkness, that those are in hard times, those are in suffering, God, that you would give revelation that you are near. That's why we don't have to fear. That's why we don't have to fear not having enough. That's why we don't have to fear not being good enough. That's why we don't have to fear not being able to make it through because you promise that you will be with us and, and you will see us to completion. God, give us the grace as well to, to, to love you, to be faithful in the mundane. That whether you call us to incredible, uh, extravagant things or, or even the simple things, that we would recognize your presence in both. God, our desire is to walk faithfully with you, but we give you praise. We thank you for Jesus. We thank Mm -hmm. you for Jesus and what he's done for us, rescuing us Mm -hmm. from what separates us from your very presence. Mm -hmm. Thank you, God, that you choose to walk with us. We love Mm -hmm. you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.